um, around the thought of standing out and shine. And um, our key verse in that is found in Matthew and chapter 5 and verse 14 to 16 um, in the message where it says, here's another way to put it, you're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, don't you think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand and shine. And God in this particular season is looking for the church of Jesus Christ to be a lighthouse, to be people that stand out and shine in our worlds. And over the last few weeks, we've been talking about how we can do that with regards to being a light that shines. We looked at the whole thought of being strangers in this world, strangers who live differently, who shine out, who stand out. God has not called us to blend in. He has called us to stand out. Very often, people are looking to blend in, and we think the way to build the churches, we blend in. It's the complete opposite. The way to build the church is to stand out, because people are looking for something different. If you're here today, you're looking for something different. You already know what's out there. You're just wanting something different. And so we've been looking at how we can be people who stand out, how, can we, how we can be strangers in this world. And it's my joy to just be able to open up the Bible a little bit this, this evening. And I want to just look at something that's a little bit unusual in this uh, theme, but you'll get it at the end. Well, I hope you'll get it anyway. So I want to talk about the power of inconvenience. The power of inconvenience. I wonder if you've got a Bible, whether you turn with me or electronic device, turn with me to Mark and chapter 2, the Gospel of Mark and chapter 2, it's found in the New Testament, it's Matthew, and then Mark. If you've not got a Bible with you, don't worry about it, because we're going to have it on the screen. But once you've found it, just keep your finger there, because I want to just talk for a moment and define what I mean by inconvenience. The Oxford Dictionary of Inconvenience is this. It's a difficulty with regard to one's personal comfort. So what he's basically saying is, it's the opposite to comfort. On one side, we have inconvenience. On the other side, we have comfort. What I've realized is most of us live for comfort. We like comfort. There are many marketeers and um, promotions that go on in, uh, on the television and on the radio, and they often package it like this. They don't just sell a blanket. They sell a comfort blanket. It's interesting how M&S and Tesco don't just put it as food, they put it as very often comfort food. It's interesting that you'll go to Clark's and they don't just say we're selling footwear, they're selling comfort footwear. Or you go to Primarni, anybody know what I'm talking about when I say Primarni? Yeah, Primark or wherever. And they don't just talk about, you know, uh, clothing, they'll often package it up in comfort clothing, which is usually joggers and hoodie tops and just comfortable. And if we're not careful, we can buy the lie that our lives exist to be comfortable. And I want to say the opposite is true in the kingdom because God did not come so we would be comfortable. Don't misunderstand me today because what I do know is that God has no problem with you having a comfy pair of shoes because what's the pair of having an uncomfortable pair of shoes? If you've ever had an uncomfortable pair of shoes, you know what I'm talking about. 
God's not a sadist. He's not wanting to hurt us. And, but if we're not careful, we can buy the lie that actually our lives are meant to be just comfortable. And actually Jesus says something completely different. It's interesting that Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he talks about this law of inconvenience. We, we, we taught it a number of years ago. Because Jesus said to to them, if somebody strikes you on the cheek, what are you to do? Turn the other cheek. He then goes on to say and and says to them, and if they are trying to sue you for your shirt, give them your coat. And if they ask you to go one mile with them, no, go the extra mile, go two miles. What he's basically doing is laying a law of not comfortableness, but inconvenience. The kingdom of God is upside down. We've bore the lie as the church and as people that actually our lives, Jesus is just here to make me comfortable. No, he isn't. He really isn't. Jesus wants us at Arena Church here tonight to understand something. And I don't know whether you can remember last week, I really felt a strong prophetic word. That some of you, when you came here, were very uncomfortable. And God came to you where you were at because you were hurting, you were broken, you were downcast, you were despondent. And God knew that. And God sent you here for this particular time. But let me tell you, God doesn't want you to now stay in the comfort of where we are. God wants to actually now move you out from this place of comfort. He wants for you to start to embrace the power of inconvenient living. Inconvenient living will change the world. That's why we've not changed the world. The church is not changing the world, has not changed the world, because it has not embraced the power of inconvenient living. And I want to just talk to you, because you thought I forgot from Mark chapter 2, about a story that... Those who have been around church will know very, very well. But I see here this power at work. So let's read, shall we, from verse 1. It says there, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. And some men came. Bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And the man got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Nudge your neighbor tonight and say, we're in for a cracker. Either side, we're in for a cracker. 
In my opening remarks, most of us don't embrace this particular principle of the power of inconvenience because we bought the lie that the whole purpose of life is to gain and to get to make our lives comfortable. If your mum and dad said to you, or whoever said to you, work as hard as you can to gain as much as you can to make your life comfortable, I want to tell you, you've bought the lie. You've bought the lie. I'm not saying you can't have money in the bank, but actually that is not the purpose of living. I want to say those, I see a lot of people who are comfortable, who aren't living, they're just existing. But God has called us to live our life in all of its fullness. But most of us don't embrace this because we like comfort. I don't know when any of you guys, Errol, you're soon going to get to know this as a, as I'm going to not pick on you now, but you know, you're about to get married and you're soon going to realize that this is how it's going to work. But you know, I, I've been married in May 23 years. I know I don't look old enough, you know, but it's the reality, 23 years of marriage. And uh, we, we, we were away on, on holiday and there is still a suitcase that is in our bedroom. And Caroline has said to me repeatedly, Christian, will you take the suitcase and please put it in the loft? Does any blokes know what I'm now talking about? This is what you're going to realize. And she's asked me repeatedly, and I've wanted to come back and say to her, Woman, I don't talk like that actually. Do you not understand and realize I'm the hunter? I've been out working and gathering and doing all the busyness. And she looks at me and thinks, and what do you think I've been doing with four kids at home? Think I've just been sitting around doing nothing. It doesn't go like, play out like that, guys, honestly. But she wants me to move this suitcase. The reason why I don't move this suitcase is one thing and one thing alone. Because when I come back from work, all I want to do, after a hard day's graft, is to sit down, have some food, have a cup of tea, Read a book, listen to music, or watch some television. I want to be comfortable and not inconvenienced by getting a loft ladder out. And Liz was telling me a funny story about Paul. Uh, we did it one time and he thought, stuff this, I'll throw it up in the loft. And he fell right back down on him. And uh, the, the kids have never, never forgotten that. But the reality is, whatever your situation is, we embrace we embrace and will, it stops us from doing those things because we want to live a life of comfort. And God is wanting us to embrace this power of inconvenience. Someone once said this, inconvenience yourself. Ditch the remote, the garage door opening, the leaf blower, and buy a bike, a broom, a rake, and a snow shovel. We're obsessed with making our lives easier. Huge supermarkets have built their business on what? Convenience stores. We live in this convenient world. And it's completely different to the world that Jesus came and the kingdom that Jesus came to build. I want to tell you, Jesus ushered in a new order and a new normal. And it's called the power of inconvenience. 
Let me talk to the church for a moment. Those who belong to Arena Church and call this home. We can pray all we want and say all we want and confess all we want. But Leonard Ravenhill said this one time. The reason we don't have revival is because we are willing to live without it. In other words, he's saying we don't want the inconvenience of prayer and pressing in and believing God and praying and pressing in and believing God and doing it day in, day out, day in, day out. Why? Because we want the comfort of our worlds. But God is speaking to us tonight. If I can be as bold as this, as I was preparing this, I honestly feel it quite prophetically, particularly here tonight, that actually if we are going to see God do something which is so on the heart of God for Mansfield, it's going to come out of an inconvenience. It will come out of an inconvenience. I want to just quote, and I'll read it quickly, something that I read and, and spoke on our Vision Day Sunday of this year, 25th of January. And we talked about, we've still got them from here to there. We're here at this moment, but God wants to take us there. And what does there look like? Well, there looks like packed services. There's a good crowd in tonight. But believing actually for the crowds that will snake around this whole building. And when Phil prayed that, I, my mind went back to Greece. Not Greece that you put in your hair, but Greece the film. I was going to break out into a song, but I better, better. Yeah, the one, the one. Okay, we'll leave it at that. And I remember coming to this cinema here and watching Greece. My mum's nodding because we were literally queued up around here, waiting to try and get in. I think it would have been on all, all screens, all three screens. It was just absolutely packed jam. If we want to get to there, which is packed services, if we want to get to multiple services, the need for more service, more small groups, how are we going to get there? Through inconvenience. So on a Sunday, this means a short walk to church from the many car park spaces nearby to make sure that the car park is free for the disabled, the elderly, young families with babies and first-time guests. There means introducing new songs that we don't always know that carry a new, fresh sound that connect with Christians and non-Christians alike. There means noisy kids and young people Marked walls, used carpets. That means giving of your time and energy and serving in a team. We've already heard it tonight. That means committing yourself to being in a small group or being a small group leader. That means giving more money because we want to reach more people. That means coming early and serving and staying late till the job is done. That means giving our time, our resource, our skills. Means giving up meals to fast and to pray. Getting up some crazy times at six o'clock in the morning to be somewhere to call on God because we're so committed to going there. There means laying down our privileges, our prejudices, our opinions and serving, loving, giving and submitting. That wayward son or daughter, that husband or wife who, doesn't, who don't follow God. How are they going to be changed? Here or there? We have to move from here, which is good, to there, which is great.
There is where growth comes from. There is where your kids, family members are baptized. There is where we get to officiate at the wedding of your kids. There is where we get to dedicate your grandkids. And I know for some of you, even prophetically, that seems like that's never going to happen because of where your kids are, where your grandkids are. But I'm telling you, if we will move from here to there, we're going to see it happen. Some of you, you need to have faith in your heart. It's going to happen. It's going to happen by faith. Only if we'll move from here to there. There is where we see lost people, broken people, lonely people, lost people saved, helped, and healed. But let me remind you again, how do we move from here to there? Through inconvenience. It's a word for today. It's a word for this church today. For us to embrace inconvenience. And let me contextualize inconvenience because inconvenience for some of you is, well, I've got to catch a train and I've got to change. What a downer. Or inconvenience for some of us is, I want to get to a parking space, and how dare somebody has parked in my parking space? How dare they? Now that means I've got to walk five minutes to get to the shops. We're all laughing and smiling, but that's how we can live our lives. And I want to tell you a confession to me. This is a confession of a pastor now. Sometimes that's how I can live. But God speaks to me and says, Christian, if you want to change the world, it will come through embracing inconvenience. You see, in this context, we smile and laugh, but we have a, a family in our church in, in the Ilkeston campus, the Basabis. They're from Uganda. I mentioned it this morning. They would smile just gently at me as I was talking because when we talk about inconvenience, they're at a different, different level to us. You see, inconvenience for them is having to walk 10 miles to go and get fresh water. And we moan about having to change a train. By the way, trains... The only form of transport that many of them have got is the feet that are on the end of their legs. And we moan about inconvenience. And we say as Christian people, we want to see revival. Yet God says, you want to see revival? Then embrace inconvenience. It's going to take inconvenience, guys, for us to see God to do something amazing. I know it's not a nice word in that sense. And oh, we're all jolly and happy. But it's a word we need to embrace because we're strangers we're strangers in this world well I hope we are and it will only come as a result of living a life of inconvenience I mentioned that often on a Saturday and Saturdays for us at the moment are manic because of one thing or another what we try and do when we have opportunity is just have breakfast together And I've said to you before, please don't think that we have angels visiting us daily because we don't. You know, we're just like any other family. The kids can be kicking off, I can be kicking off, and and everything else. Don't all look at me, I can't believe they said that. Is that like your house? Is that like your house? Oh my goodness, I feel like I need to resign, Phil, because they're all looking at me as they don't know what I'm on. I know it's all like your house. You're all a bunch of fibbers, okay? But it just so happened that on yesterday, Caroline, we've done this on, on a number of occasions. Caroline said, shall we break bread? Well, break bread. I've got the smell of bacon wafting up. You know, we'll, I was smelling this bacon. I was thinking, flipping out, Caroline. Oh, well, okay, then. I best, I'm pastor of, you know, this family and one of the pastors of the church. I need to show a little bit of spirituality. But this bacon, 
Oh, Jesus. I said to Caroline, I said, she said, we'll have bacon in the morning. I said, how many rashes have you bought? She says, I think there's eight. I says, no, we need more than that. Double it. Double it. There were about 16 rashes there, Phil, ready to be eaten. I'd cooked it. There was eggs. There was the whole nine yards. And she's saying, should we break bread? Oh, okay. So anyway, we broke bread. We broke bread. And Caroline just happened to say to the kids before we prayed, she says, I just want us to take a moment to just say what we're thankful for. And so the kids, and Nick Isaacs, he looked at me staring with eyes. I was going to say that one, but anyway, I got in there first. But they were saying things like, we're thankful for the food. We're thankful for our house. We're thankful for our family. And came to Caroline. Caroline, he just, and I'd been preparing this ministry, and he really captured me. He says, I'm just thankful that in this, we live here, and we can come to church freely. And we can worship Jesus freely. My mind immediately went to the news of last weekend where 21 Egyptian Christians were murdered brutally because of their faith. Please don't talk to me about how you're inconvenienced because you haven't got a parking space when there are people laying down their lives for Jesus. For Jesus. And I was just impacted again about embracing the walk of inconvenience. Now, you all think that I forgot Mark chapter 2. Phil's panicking now on me because he's thinking, where is he going with this? I just want to share just two or three thoughts. Is that okay? Around Mark chapter 2 that will just help us to lay this principle. And then I just want to draw a response. Josh is going to come and I've asked him to just lead the appeal because these young guys need to learn how to do appeals. And so he's going to lead the appeal this evening. But I just want to draw a response from it. So let's take you back to the text of Mark chapter 2, just in the last seven minutes that we have together. Because the story is, there are five men that are desperate to get before Jesus. Four friends who were working together to take their paralytic friend, the man, and place him in the presence of Jesus. And there's a few things that I want to say, first of all. These are, good, these are worth the writing of the quotes. Because as I was praying over this and just meditating on it, I just felt the Spirit of God say to me, desperation was the inspiration for a life of convenience. Desperation was the inspiration for a life of inconvenience. It's the driver. These guys were desperate to get before Jesus because they knew that unless they could get their friend in the presence of Jesus there is no hope and I want to say some of you have got friends and our desperation to bring these friends into the presence of Jesus should be the driver to live in an inconvenient life it may mean that we have to go and pick them up and then drop them off It might mean that we have to go and do things that we don't necessarily want to do. It might mean that we have to go out on a night when we've been out every night just because we want to connect with them. It might mean that we've had a busy week, but we're going to meet with them on a Saturday night and have a meal. As we embrace the inconvenience, God begins to do something amazing. And these guys proved it. They realized that unless they could get in the presence of God, there is no hope. And they also understood that inconvenience paved the way for the miracle. Often we want the miracle, but we will not embrace the inconvenience that comes with the miracle. If you want the miracle, 
you have to, first of all, embrace the inconvenience. We again have this philosophy that, that God is a sugar daddy. I learned very on, God is not a sugar daddy. He is a loving father, but he is not a sugar daddy at our every whim and want. Because actually he wants us to live out our lives. And it's called maturity. If my children are still coming to us, if Annie's still coming to me at 29, 30, or beyond that, asking for handouts, handout, I'd start to say, hold on a minute, what's going on here? Take responsibility. And that's how many of us can live our lives, our Christian lives. And Jesus is saying to us tonight that if we want to see miracles, we've got to embrace inconvenience and we've got to be desperate. But back to the story, the three things that I just want to share. First of all, these guys, they they thought about what they were doing. They're intentional. They'd made a plan how they were going to get their friend to Jesus. They had actually thought about it. And in this Stand Out and Shine series, can I ask a question? How on earth we can teach this till we're blue in the face, Phil and I, and others. But we've got to get to the point where we have a plan of how we are going to introduce our friends to Jesus. And unless we are intentional about that, it will not happen. We've got to intentionally work it through and say, how can I get my friend into the presence of Jesus? Because I want to tell you, in the presence of Jesus, everything changes. We've already heard it tonight. As Errol was in the presence of Jesus, everything changed. Everything changed. A hopeless young man who was destined for a life of destruction. And God breaks in, in the presence of Jesus. Thank God for his sister who had a plan. The plan was, I'm going to wear him down. I'm going to keep asking him. He says, no, I'm going to keep asking him. What is your plan? What plan have you got to introduce people to Jesus? Talking to young people, what plan have you got to introduce your friends? If you want to build Universal, what plan have we got to introduce your friends to Jesus? They've got a plan. They planned it out. They thought it through. They were thinking this thing through. Secondly, they didn't allow obstacles to stop them. They were persistent. Again, Errol said to me about planting the church, what, what, you know, what do you need to do? I said, one of the things, Mark thinks, is persistence. Not allowing obstacles to stop you from moving forward. You see, they could easily have looked at this, these four men, Thinking it through, and there was a huge crowd that needed to get them, their friend into the presence of Jesus. But there was a huge crowd. And they could think, well, that's it. But no, they would not allow no to be the final answer. They didn't allow the obstacles to stop them. The obstacles of crowds, people. They saw a ladder, and that's really what it was. Don't have this image of a nice Mediterranean home with nice staircase looping up to it. A Palestinian uh, peasant's home, which is where this would have been. Don't all believe all what you hear on God Channel. It was a peasant's home, okay? That probably was the home of Peter, all right? Although it does talk about Jesus went home. So again, some theologians wonder if this was Jesus' home. But it was basic. And what happened on a Palestinian home was ladders that went up. I'm terrible on ladders. Every time I go up a ladder, I fall off. I know you could say that's a bad confession, but it just happens. So don't let me go up a ladder. I'm just all over the place, literally. But could you imagine, now they've got this paralytic on a mat. It's worse enough you just having to carry. But can you imagine four of them having to carry a man up a set of ladders 
onto a roof. But they determined in their heart that they were not going to allow that obstacle of the ladder to stop them getting there. And then they get to the roof. They have a master plan. Because in Palestinian homes, what roofs were made of was not slate and lead and, you know, corrugated iron. But what they were made of was mud, dirt, dung, rubbish, soil. That's what it was made of. And if I can say this, as they dug through, they weren't all clean and smelling of roses. It would have been dirty because that's what it was. It was full of dung. It was a dirty job. But they were committed to getting their friend into the presence of Jesus. They were committed to embracing the life of inconvenience because they knew that in the point of inconvenience, that's where the miracle happened. And as they begun to dug through, as they begin to cut through all the, you can put whatever word you want to put in there, because that's what they did. They embraced this life of inconvenience. I want to say that when I was at school, looking over some of you younger guys here, I've heard some of you, you're full of excuses. And by the way, I'm not having a go at you because that was my, my, was my story. I had an excuse about everything. If there's any teachers here from St. John's, Mansfield, or Brunts, I apologize if I was ever in your class. I probably created issues for you because I had an excuse about everything. I could pull it off. And basically, I was full of, yeah, you guessed it. Because all it was, was excuses. It was excuses. If we're not careful, we can allow our lives to be full of excuses. Why we don't do this. Why we don't do that. Why we don't embrace the other. There was an American journalist, business analyst. She said the reason why businesses are not started is not because of funding. It's not because of ideas. And it's not because of experience. It's excuses. It's excuses. That's why nothing new is accomplished because you may have had an idea, you may have had a thought, you may even have the money, but the real issue is you're full of excuses. If we're going to build this church and if God's going to do something amazing here, it's going to come as we embrace this life of inconvenience and we cut out all the rubbish. And they didn't, these guys, going back to the text, they didn't allow the obstacles to get in the way. They cut through all the rubbish And they were determined to get their mate into the presence of Jesus. Let me move quickly to the last thought. Because this is the key, I think. But if we want to see miracles happen, if we want to see God do something amazing, if we want to live as strangers, just write this phrase down. They practice joyful inconvenience. They practice joyful inconvenience. You say, Christian, is it possible to live joyfully inconveniently? Yes, it is. Because they showed us how. There was no mumbling. There was no groaning. Because there was a purpose to what they were doing. I wondered. I just went into the text. I wondered if there were five brothers. I wondered if there were five cousins or five relatives. Because the reality is, for most of us, we'd do anything for our families. If we come from a good, functional family, we'd do anything for our families. We'd lay our life down for our families. But it doesn't say that. It just says there was four men and a paralytic Friend. And I just want to encourage us tonight. Let's not just do the things and live a life of inconvenience just with our families. But let's live inconveniently with everyone. 
with everyone. And these men cut through the roof. They got him into the presence of Jesus. And it wasn't a problem. They could have said to themselves, no, 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 he's going to take up too much time. We'll make sure that we're at the front seat with all the religious leaders because we want to hear Jesus. But they said, no, 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 no. It's not about us. It's about others. It's about us serving others. It's about us encouraging others. It's about us giving to others. It's not about us. It's about this man. They cared for this man. They, 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 they cared so much that they were willing to live selflessly. They counted the cost and carried the cost. And they did it all because they wanted to get this man into the presence of Jesus. If we are going to see Mansfield changed, if we're going to live as strangers, there's more I could say. My time's gone. And as far as embracing this life, of inconvenience. So where does this work out before Josh comes and just leads us in a prayer and encourages people to respond to Jesus if you've never responded to him before? What does this mean for me? Well, first of all, to say to you who don't know Jesus, Jesus did the most inconvenient act that's ever been known on planet Earth. He came from the comfort of heaven to the darkness of earth. And he did it to showcase the power of inconvenience. As a result of it, the miracle that we can now enjoy is ours. For those who are Christians, and we've just been stirred up again, I just want to say these few things. Ask the question, what needs to change in me? What do I need to change? How do I need to change? Here's another thought. Let's drive it even further. Where this week am I going to practice joyful inconvenience? Where this week? Where this week? With that boss who's a pain in the backside. I'm going to be inconvenienced and I'm going to be joyful in it. That husband, that wife who doesn't follow Christ and are an agitator of it. That neighbor. How am I going to practice joyful inconvenience this week I believe that as we practice joyful inconvenience as we think about how we can get others into the presence of Jesus as we cut through all the excuses and as we remove all the obstacles then I believe together we can begin to see a mighty harvest that Jesus longs for here in this town may God help us And may we embrace this life in Jesus' name. I wonder, Josh, if you'd come and lead us.